Hi, this is Eric Kent Edstrom, the author of The Force of Destiny, and I'm also your narrator. Thank you so much for listening to this labor of love, and I always appreciate your support, either through buying a copy of the book at all of the various uh, e-tailers you've heard a thousand times now, or uh, leaving a review wherever you get your podcast, or simply just emailing me and telling me that you're listening. Thank you so much. Chapter 12. Necessary Ends Suan led Henley up a servant's stair, pressing close to the inside curve whenever another favored or servant passed them going down. A few cast curious looks at Henley, but it wasn't that unusual for an acolyte to take this route. The thick stone walls muted all sound except for door slams or the occasional burst of conversation as they passed an opening to one of the many floors of the tower, but Suwan kept them climbing, their breath loud in the narrow space. At any other time he would have enjoyed following her, watching her figure move as she trotted ever upward, he would have memorized the feeling of her hand gripping his even now, feeling frantic that Donesmasters would capture him and try him for Seeker Jan's murder, he could not help but notice her scent, the floral incense common to Favored. This way, she said, finally taking a passage from the stairs. The corridor was gently curved, following the arc of the tower. This was a residence floor for the Donesmasters of the tower. None were out, but Henley sensed the vague haze of Mercus within a few chambers and those men would feel him passing by if they were paying any attention at all. Suen picked up the pace. They were running now. A door swung open, and white-bearded Dun Vins tottered out. By Chil, what transpires? Henley pointed behind him. Seeker Yan fell into the champion's prison. Murder. By the father, I, I... The man continued to splutter, but Henley and Suen were past... A corridor turned in, straight for the center of the tower. Suen's feet slid as she cut to take this new path. The way ahead appeared to dead end, but she did not slow. At the last moment, a section of the block wall swung in. A spinster of Paul waved for Suan to run faster. Henley tumbled through, and they finally stopped, bent double and gasping for air. The stone wall ground closed behind him leaving them in the dim glow of a whale oil lantern. The spinster held it up, her face made orange by its light. She was a slight woman of forty, with blonde hair going gray. She wore the typical white robes of a spinster, though her arms were bare. Both upper arms were cuffed in silver, giving her a warrior-like look that Henley had never seen in a spinster. Tia, you had better have many answers, she said. Suwan, apparently called Tia, nodded but was too winded to offer explanations. Henley followed the spinster through another door and found himself in Paul's fifth of the garden tower. Another spinster, called Rippa, waited for them there, breathing hard as if she'd been running to meet them. Younger than the first spinster, this one was also more distraught. Her throat was flushed and she patted her plump face with one hand. With the other, she shoved something small into Henley's hands. A ring, silver and etched with runes of a language Henley didn't recognize. Put it on, Spen Rippa said. 
It was too small for any finger except his pinky, and even that was a tight fit. But he forced it over the knuckles. The Mercus instantly vanished from his awareness and his senses went dull. The ring was a queller. He was familiar with such relics, since Kyla had had one for a while. He'd asked Dun Portchalon why they hadn't put a queller on Dun Yeeples, but the kindly Dunsmaster had merely shrugged and said they didn't have one. Relief claimed Henley now, and he leaned against the wall. Go tell the coin he has come. I will take him to a room where he can rest and prepare for his audience with her, the slight spinster said to the breathless one. With a wordless nod, the plump spinster ran down the hall and disappeared. Tia stood next to Henley, face bunched with worry. I must return, Spin Morina. The longer I delay, the harder it will be to make a reasonable excuse for my absence. Were you seen with him? the spinster said. I was, by servants and one don'smaster, but he is old and not well thought of. His memory is not reliable. No. I won't risk sending you back. Your time among them is done. But the madman needs me more than ever now, Tia said. Without Acolyte Henley to sustain him, he will die. Henley gawped at her. How did you know about that? It was Spin Marina who answered. Tia has been watching you since your arrival. We were considering bringing you to the Vale earlier, but the coin spun ten smiles and ten frowns on the question. She decided to delay until we had a clearer sign. She turned to Tia. And what was that sign? I only felt a burst of Mercus. Tia clicked her tongue and patted Henley's shoulder. He killed Seeker Yan. I didn't mean to, it just sort of happened. Spin Marina frowned. Things don't just happen, acolyte Henley. Paul smiles or frowns or turns her back or sits and watches but the force of destiny guides us all toward necessary ends. Tia was looking at the door they'd come through, her eyes keen as if she could see through the wood and stone to observe events in Till's fifth. The coin will want to see you both in the morning, Spinster Marina said. She handed Henley the lantern. Tia held back with him as Marina took the lead, guiding them through hallways that looked just like those in Till's fifth, except they were painted a bright white. Tia curled her arm through his. Have you met a coin before? Perhaps in Starside? No. Be polite, not obsequious. Speak only if spoken to. Tell the truth. Easy enough. I would behave that way regardless of your warning. Good. For the remainder of the night, I suggest you pray to Paul. Ask her to smile upon you. He wasn't about to tell this young woman that he didn't believe in luck, or Paul, or any of the gods. For one thing, for one thing, she had saved his life by getting him away from Till's fifth. For another, he felt an even stronger attraction to her than before. She was too old for him, he knew. She wouldn't have any interest in a boy his age. But he wouldn't say a word that would cause her to release his arm. I didn't mean to kill him he said when they stopped at another door. It led into a sparely appointed room, cot and desk and lantern and nothing else. I'll bring food, Tia said. But first, I must change. Spinster Morina waited for him to go in. She closed the door and the unmistakable sound of a key working a lock came to his ears. He was locked in. 
again.